Under the Helmet. You do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. The NFL Combine is in the rearview mirror, and NFL free agency is currently ongoing. First couple days here have been relatively unspectacular. I am Chad Parsons, official show of UTHDynasty.com here. Welcome to Under the Helmet. Wanted to go over a few key moves. I've also gone over the NFL free agency in depth with a 15 to 20 minute daily recap podcast that's over on the premium side for UTH Dynasty, so you can check that out in full. Wanted to go over three key quarterback moves, and it's not the starters that I wanted to focus on. A lot of Dynasty is super flex, two quarterback, and always those injury away options are the ones that are key notable points on what's going on in the marketplace of the NFL. And that translates over to fantasy and dynasty. I want to start first with Taylor Heineke going to Atlanta. So this reaffirms that Sam Howell is going to get, uh, at least as it currently sits, Washington not really in the bird dog seat, mid-teens in the NFL draft position. And it seems like you got to be in the top five, uh, basically, to get one of the top four quarterbacks as it's trending with trade-ups and everything in the draft. So Sam Howell, they've been nothing but praise praiseful if that's a word and they've been nothing but supportive of Sam Howell as the option here that he's going to get every opportunity you figure they're going to add someone they're light in the loafers for that depth chart but Sam Howell is a mobile quarterback one that was underdrafted by the the profile a year ago so Heineke being out of the picture for Washington good news for Sam Howell that said he's a a sparsely playing uh, day three player entering year two at the quarterback position that's going to make it tough. But let's talk about Desmond Ritter because Heineke goes over to Atlanta and Heineke's two-year deal up to $20 million. So this is not your shoulder shrug. They just bring in a warm body. You know, someone did that with Case Keenum, you know, two years, I think it was like five, $6 million. That's very palatable. When you say up to $20 million, this is a notable addition to a depth chart. Now, the one thing I think it does is Atlanta was trending the wrong way on being one of the haves or being in the market in the in the draft for one of those top quarterbacks. They sat at number eight overall, but there's already been a trade up and now it's trending like at least three quarterbacks in the top four. Then you Falcons would still have to have Seattle, the Lions, if they weren't interested, them passing uh, with a trade down to someone interested. Plus, uh, you have the Raiders where, yes, uh, they brought in Jimmy Garoppolo, but they could still draft a quarterback of the future um, at number seven. So the Falcons, again, it's trending towards not getting one of the big four in the draft. Maybe they draft someone notable uh, at 45. I think that would be a good spot for, say, Hendon Hooker. Uh, and maybe in the third round, someone like Tanner McKee. But these could be these could be uh, roadblocks to Desmond Ritter in 2024. But right now, it's Taylor Heineke, and Heineke is a pro. Heineke is the exact type that if you're the backup, uh, you know, it's almost like expect him to see starts. We see 45, 50 plus quarterbacks see starts in the NFL on an annual basis by injury, by poor play, uh, by necessity. And and so Desmond Ritter, I want to take a quick look here at where he sits in some of these key metrics as a rookie. And I filtered for 
oh, notable rookies that have played over the past three years. What did they do as a rookie as well? Desmond Ritter, uh, 36th percentile in terms of PFF passing grade. Uh, that is on par with Tua Tagovailoa as a rookie, but it's below a lot of guys uh, that, that have turned out to be good quarterbacks from this past group. It's actually worse than Trey Lance, worse than Justin Fields as a rookie, a little bit better than Zach Wilson, but let's face it, that doesn't say that much. He's middle of the pack in terms of a dot, uh, big time throw percentage, 33 percentile. Uh, that's lower than Jalen Hurts, who is figuring out his way as a rookie, running quite a bit, but he still uh, was middle of the pack and much better in terms of big time throws. Uh, turnover worthy plays, Desmond Ritter actually didn't, you know, protecting the ball. And that's going to be a fixture point of that Arthur Smith offense. Uh, you figure a run centric attack. And one of my biggest questions with Desmond Ritter is just going to be volume that he's going to need to run a good amount and he's going to be have to be prolific with touchdown rate because this is not going to be a sling it around the yard passing attack. We hope Kyle Pitts is better. We hope Drake London takes a step forward. But this is a team that's going to run the ball. This is a team that's probably going to protect their young quarterback and not be in the top 10 of pass attempts per game. They're just not going to let that happen. And uh, also, uh, he was below average in terms of pressures turning into sacks. That's not something you want to see for a young quarterback. Uh, you know, guys like Justin Herbert have done very well with that. Uh, Joe Burrow is one of the few that have continued to struggle in their early years with pressure to sack rates. And Ritter is on par with that. Obviously, Burrow gets a lot of uh, a lot of benefit as the 101 and the weapons around him, as well as just again, you would uh, the assumption of being a 101 versus. A, a day two option, much superior talent. Uh, so Desmond Ritter, again, in general, he's below average in a lot of these metrics. Again, he didn't have an interception last year as a rookie, but he only threw two touchdowns. He threw a, a smattering over 100 passes. Again, Kyle Pitts coming back as a positive. But I think this Taylor Heineke news is not one to be swept under the rug for Desmond Ritter. Another one is Mike White. Two years, up to $16 million to, going to Miami. And Miami's one that it's, you know, they're all in. They're pushing their chips in. Uh, they've made uh, trades, signings uh, that point to we are in our window and we are going forward on the gas pedal here. But Mike White is, uh, again, another Teddy Bridgewater or just higher echelon backup quarterback. And the money reflects that. And Tua Tagovailoa is a high risk option. We saw him at his peak, uh, peak powers with Miami, with, uh, with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. And they were high flying for about two months of last season, but the risk factors of Tua, the next concussion, the next injury, the durability concerns, he's taken steps forward. He had a breakout 2022, but the availability as one of his abilities is one of the big things in Dynasty. It's why I can't have two feet in on Tua Tagovailoa. And with with Tua, the the need, the necessity for a strong backup quarterback is, is paramount here. And oh, just to go back, uh, Desmond Ritter is currently in the UTH dynasty rankings. He is right around QB 40. And you might think, hey, you know, second year quarterback, uh, th this is overtly a positive. You know, they haven't splashed the pot at with a veteran. They haven't splashed, you know, they're not really in a position to splash it with a high first round pick. Uh, NFL draft wise, but uh, I look at it this way: that that he is going to probably have uh, lesser draft position than someone like Hendon Hooker, who he's behind. Um, you know, the fact that guys like Brock Purdy, Mac Jones, uh, I still have guys with profiles like Gardner Minshew. I just don't th 
over over Desmond Ritter. I just don't think Desmond Ritter has a lot of allegiance here in terms of pedigree. This is a one-year, almost Davis Mills-like opportunity that if Atlanta doesn't take a big step forward, if Desmond Ritter doesn't take a big step forward, they're going to be looking hard and more than this offseason in 2024 offseason. And back to Tua Tagovailoa, uh, he's in tier six, uh, just inside the top 20 for dynasty quarterback rankings at UTH. And the, that's well below. That's about a handful of spots below his dynasty marketplace. I just don't know how there could be high confidence where this is a legitimate and, and one of the few things, this isn't a balky knee, this is concussions where he had a string of them and the next one he could miss the rest of the season. You know, you wouldn't say that about a number of quarterbacks in the NFL. They don't have a track record and they don't have a history and they don't have a, a, a an effect that is um, doubling down, tripling down every single one that he gets. And so he is in tier six. He's QB 19. And I have multiple 2023 rookie quarterbacks ahead of Tua, even though Tua is one that has put up uh, now uh, a singular top six season. If he does it again, if he does not sustain a significant injury this year, then things are trending in the right direction. But those are two giant ifs. Produce uh, to a high level when he's not a runner and there are tons of rushing options with far superior rushing upside that he has to overcome to finish in the top six. So I think the upside is a massive question. The durability is a massive question. The availability is a massive question. So for Tua Tagovailoa, I am perfectly comfortable uh, sitting and valuing him below the dynasty marketplace. And again, I think Mike White is almost a mandatory type addition for uh, for the, the Dolphins as that QB too, because they need a highly functional, we can run the offense and, and we just can't sit out there. There's, there's always a few, a handful of teams in the NFL where their backup quarterback is a, is a tragic situation that if the starter goes down, they absolutely will go in the tank and might not win another game. It will be very tough on them. And so having a quality backup with, if your risk factor is going up at the starting position, uh, you, your, uh, you know, your insulation needs to be higher. And frankly, to spin this towards dynasty, I think that that is the same sort of mentality. If you have a high risk, let, let, let's say, you know, you end up taking Anthony Richardson. Let's say you take Will Levis. Let's say you have upside options or, you know, a Jordan Love, a Trey Lance, or, you know, however you want to uh, put together, uh, you know, or Justin Fields of just, this could work out and be spectacular, but also within 12 months to 18 months, they may not be NFL starters. Then if that is the case, pairing that, and that's honestly where it makes sense to have someone like a Derek Carr, someone that has some stability where you may question the ceiling, but the floor is relatively solid. You look at options, and I think Derek Carr is just a perfect example because he just got allegiance of multiple years, if not three plus years, with a contract that says he will be an NFL starter for the Saints. Uh, or somewhere else, I mean, if he were to get traded. But that contract is uh, robust enough to say that that blends well. If your QB2 and QB3 is a combination of Carr or, let's say, Kirk Cousins, or, again, I, I think Kirk Cousins has more upside, but Derek Carr is, is a specific example where you say the upside has not been pronounced and the upside is probably not going to be pronounced. But you mix that with a, a high upside option that, again, I think a, a perfect example is Anthony Richardson of saying, this could be electric, this could be high upside and move my franchise, but it also could be a bust. And within two years, he's not starting anymore in the NFL. 
That's the kind of uh, insulation, the Derek Carr example, like the, the Dolphins need to have with Mike White because they have a high risk and high variance uh, starting quarterback into a Tagovailoa. Want to mention some recent content over at UTHDynasty.com. Never been a better time to subscribe as a general manager plus subscriber. And as, by doing that, you get access on any mobile device to all the premium podcasts, updates to the, your feed, as well as a free preview uh, over uh, a few days, a, a week or so there to start your subscription to the UTH Trade Calculator. Just know that these critical time periods, whether it's right around the NFL draft, NFL free agency, the combine, you are going to get daily updates to the UTH positional dynasty rankings as well as UTH trade calculator values. This means you can move swiftly in the dynasty marketplace. This means you're going to get a quick and easy list of who's moving up, who's moving down, and there's a lot of granular information with UTH dynasty rankings you cannot find anywhere else. Uh, the 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 wide receiver position was one that saw the biggest upgrade this offseason. You get their dynasty role. It could be a core asset. could be a super bridge, a bridge player, potential core player. It uh, could be someone that's a, a, a type of stash for a specific depth of league. could also be someone that's churn and burn where uh, the first sign of good or bad news, you're going to be in or out on that player pretty swiftly. Uh, you're also going to get things like what their uh, their best positional finish in their career has been, uh, the, what they, where they finished last year, their odds of a career year in the future, uh, their odds of upticking from last year to, to this year with an improved fantasy finish. Also, their probabilities in the future of a wide receiver one, wide receiver two, or wide receiver three finish again in a future year. So all these valuable things, including are they a buy or sell with UTH valuation versus the market and where are they moving uh, from the last ranking up or down the positional dynasty rankings board? Those, again, the critical updates, it might be days, it might be a week or two when other sites have a bunch of different rankers. And by the time everyone weighs in, you got to look and you got to see you know, what the, what the date is on, on some folks that are, that are putting out the rankings and then certain players that haven't been adjusted. Those are going to be ending up uh, pulling up or pulling down the, the consensus average. This is a one-man shop. Uh, they're my rankings. Uh, I can go through there, um, and and I know when they've been updated. I update the date so you know exactly what's going on, and you just know over and over again that it's going to be done in a timely fashion. Also, over at UTHDynasty.com, I did a deep feature on DJ Moore and his profile as he moves from Carolina to Chicago. Also, uh, recently, I've, I've focused on the 2023 rookies. Uh, how about big backs who can move and can catch? It's one of the staple UTH profiles that we look for, prototypically sized running backs who can also move and have a receiving profile that can point uh, Antonio Gibson style to a high upside role or you know Josh Jacobs style where if your rushing score coming out of college is lacking but you have prototypical size, you have some receiving acumen, you can work your way around that. That's one of the... Uh, key blind spots that I think a lot of people miss. They want to work horse and sure, we, we are all looking for that. But if you're light in, in that capacity, however, if you have uh, a, enough enough size and receiving ability, that could be something that comes uh, that comes and improves in the NFL level. And then finally, uh, looked at the that at the rookie draft decision making matrix for 2023. I have that for Superflex, one quarterback. That's a key feature that comes out 
uh, around NFL draft time for your rookie drafts. And it basically looks as, are you getting good value for a top three pick, a top six pick, first round uh, in Superflex and one, one quarterback? So you want to get equity, and it really is a good signal to say, should I stick and pick? Should I trade up? Should I trade out, historically speaking, with those profiles? Again, all of that are recent features of going over there at UTHDynasty.com and signing up as a general manager plus subscriber. All right, wanted to mix in one of my top threes for the week. And with March Madness here, I wanted to focus on basketball. So top three gripes about basketball. And I'm one that I grew up in the Michael Jordan era, loved watching, you know, NBC on the weekends, you got the Bulls, you got the Pistons, uh, you got the, the ending of the of the Lakers there in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, so uh, I remember a rogue trailblazers year with Clyde Drexler. Uh, just again, gr- great stuff. Uh, but here's, here's, it's kind of like old man yelling at the clouds but here's my top three gripes about basketball. And I always have Alzheimer's. I forget when March Madness starts. I start watching. But by the end of the tournament, these things really grind on me. Number three, too many let it rain threes. Uh, From along came Polly, let it rain. And they just jack up shots. So I don't mind working the ball around, you know, a screen and and you end up with a good with a good three point attempt. But the pop a shot, the let's get more shots as opposed to less shots. Let's it doesn't matter quality uh, of that three point attempt. But again, the the let it rain threes uh, definitely make my top three. Number two, the disappearance of the postman. Uh, you know, it used to when you had a dominant big man in college, you could you could work through that player. It's even more so in the NFL uh, in the NBA. But the fact that they generally get taken out of the game uh, at the college level, it's a lot of zone uh, and it's a lot of again you pass the ball in basically just to pass it out and get another three point attempt. So I really wish there were more dominating postmen in college as opposed to 15, 20, 30 years ago. And number one and you get a foul, and you get a foul. Uh, I have more complaints about what's a foul, what's not a foul, and in general, they allow no contact. Uh, I come from, again, the 80s and 90s where there was plenty of contact, and it was a more physical game. Uh, Not trying to get people hurt, but it's a lot of uh, ticky-tack stuff going on, and especially, basically, all you have to do is drive in the last two, three minutes of the game, and you're going to get fouls, and it's going to become a free-throw shooting competition. One of the big losers so far of the free agency period for the NFL is Jacoby Myers. Uh, He's one that I thought he was on a promising track after 2021. However, 2022, he did not take a step forward despite the New England Patriots not having a go-to alpha option that ended up taking over that passing game. Devontae Parker was added. You saw uh, Hunter Henry and John New Smith as viable tight ends. But uh, the fact that Jacoby Myers now entered free agency, he did not get the type of contract he was looking for either. Three for 33. And the biggest part, he goes to the Raiders, so it may have been the biggest money. However, unless there's a trade, unless something happens, this is a crowded passing game. And you have Devontae Parker, you have a quarterback that is not really going to be a high upside fantasy option, some someone that can distribute fantasy production in Jimmy Garoppolo, but not one that is going to provide dominant value for two to three options in the passing game. You got Darren Waller, you've got Henry Renfro. We'll see if someone's on the move, but uh, you also got 
Josh Jacobs in the backfield. So I wanted to do a filter in my historical look. And I, I've, I've talked through this many times. Uh, but just to recap, uh, one thing that I track is the, the team quarterback finish. And also, how does the wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, and tight end one finish? And so you see a lot of these connections. You connect the dots of what you really need. And I talked before about the importance of being the wide receiver one for your team. Eh, that's not going to happen with Jacoby Myers. And in this case, uh, the filtering I did because you're going to have a quality tight end finish as well with Darren Waller. So I looked at uh, QB 13 through 26. So, I mean, that's the probably the most robust optimistic view you could view on Jimmy Garoppolo uh, for this coming year. And then somewhere in the mid twenties, you know, he has a high floor. You're going to probably have rookies below him and some, some suboptimal situations. So the Raiders are not going to stink, but I don't think with Garoppolo, you're going to view them as an elite passing option either. And then Devonte Adams, I, I viewed him as a top 15 option, which is pretty, pretty conservative. It's given some downside there and he could certainly finish much higher. So filtering for those two things and then adding a top 15, uh, top 15 tight end. And now let's assume Jacoby Myers is the wide receiver two in that scenario. How are we looking? So from uh, the past 15, 20 years, the average wide receiver two finish under those parameters is wide receiver 52. Wide receiver 52. And of the 23 sample size, only three times. So that would be offhand about 12, 13, 14%. Are they a top 24 option? So it just does not happen very often that this Jacoby Myers situation, it's just too stacked. There's not enough upside with the quarterback and the passing game in general. And then here's the other thing uh, that I break down is uh, whatever quadrant you are with quarterbacks to your one, two, three, or four. Uh, so it's QB one through eight, QB nine through 16, 17 through 24, et cetera. You know, what are your odds if you're the wide receiver one or wide receiver two of finishing well in fantasy? Well, let's assume, and this is the most optimistic view in my, or, or most reasonable, I will say, is uh, QB 17 through 24. So he's going to be tier three. He's not a rushing option. And uh, he's, he's Jimmy Garoppolo is one that is probably middle of the pack, somewhere in the middle of the pack. So being the, the wide receiver two in that scenario, a 1% chance historically of being a top 12 wide receiver, a 2% chance of being top 24, and a 16% chance of finishing in the top 36. So Jacoby Myers has fallen over a, uh, a 12 to 18 month period here from rising potential profile, putting together multiple seasons to now going into free agency after not consolidating his, his rising season to an even better season and maybe a career year entering free agency. And now he takes quote unquote, the money, which was, this was probably his best money deal, but it's going to a relatively blocked situation. So again, good for his long-term standing contractually and uh, again, getting his big payday, but uh, it's still rather tepid in the hierarchy of NFL wide receivers, about 10 million a year. And the probabilities, as I just outlined historically, are razor thin for him to be even a top 24 option for a future finish. So that's ominous. Uh, he's won one where, you know, you can't chase floor uh, for for fantasy in general. But the, one of the bigger things is that wide receiver, it's so replaceable. You can find, you know, similar options that have a higher ceiling. Um, and again, you know, if we play out a world in a week, you know, if Devonte Adams had a surprise trade or Darren Waller is gone, it's going to elevate things a little bit. But I think the key here is Devonte Adams. It's not Darren Waller. It's being a wide receiver one versus a wide receiver two. And basically, if you don't have a, an elite quarterback, you need to be the wide receiver one and stop. 
And so there's really no avenues there. Uh, Jacoby Myers finished as the wide receiver 30 last year and his odds uh, just historically in the wide receiver index, only a 30% chance, uh, excuse me, 26% chance of improving upon that for a career year. So better than wide receiver 30 in a future year at all. And this is at 26 years old. So the insulation in the market, the liquidity in the market is not going to be there. He dropped uh, about eight spots uh, with this update of where he signed. uh, And now he's firmly outside the top 60 in dynasty wide receiver. And there's some big time question marks. There's about four or five young players of note in the 10 to 15 spots ahead of them that they may not finish better than him this year, but they have a much better shot to finish with a high upside. And I think that's the shot and that's the strategy point here is, you know, having Jacoby Myers sitting as your wide receiver four or five on your dynasty depth chart is not going to do anything. He's going to sit there and he's basically going to be a low end by week or injury replacement and fill-in type profile and player. That is far too much uh, uh, profile value to to put into that position, into that utility for your dynasty depth chart. So the unfortunate thing is Jacoby Myers is is one that I think you need to act quickly because he's the type that I think right now before there's 54 sites that are, you know, updating their their dynasty rankings and valuations and there becomes a drumbeat that this is not good news for Jacoby Myers, I think you still have some options here. So looking at some recent trades, I think you need to add Jacoby Myers to a, to almost anything to get another deal done. And it's not that he's going to hold a lot of value. On face value, he may return at best a second round pick. But the fact that you're able to add him to another deal like looking at one, let's say you were trying to get a future first and let's try, you're trying to get a first and a second round pick for Cooper Cup. I saw Jacoby Myers added to that deal and that he's a wheel greaser to, to get that deal done. It doesn't necessarily equate to he's worth a second and Cooper Cup is worth a first. I think Cooper Cup is worth a little bit of the second as well. So that's where Jacoby Myers needs to be used in a consolidating fashion so that you can get leaner and meaner at wide receiver. You might have viewed him as part of that lean and mean plan 12 months ago, but now I think you have to view him as excess that you need to cut out of your depth chart and just view him as replaceable. Uh, like I saw some some upgrades uh, that you're adding to Jacoby Myers with, with a thing or two to get Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk has a chance to be the wide receiver one on his depth chart and has a higher end quarterback just as a profile example. That's not my favorite type of trade to do, uh, but here's another one. This is Jacoby Myers and a, a second this year for Terry McLaurin. I really like that. That's essentially two seconds for Terry McLaurin. You get someone with a, a better shot and, and more proven profile of being a higher end wide receiver in his career. And uh, again, to say that there's not uh, a puncher's chance that Sam Howell works out or next year Washington is in the market and gets a bigger quarterback upgrade, there's a lot of outs there. So again, use Jacoby Myers as a wheel greasing player for a bigger trade, a two for one, a three for two, or again, I think in, in straightforward one for one, a second round pick is probably the best you can do. And frankly, if it's a super flex league, this is a, a Myers is the type that maybe you're sitting at 202, you try to work your way up to 109, you know, or 110. You're just moving your way up the board. If you're moving from the late second to the early second, these are types of deals you can get done as well. Another way to support the show, support UTH 
is going over to patreon.com slash UTH for as little as $5 a month. You're going to get bonus content, a weekly show. Tim Torch is there and we have featured weekly topics and cover Dynasty in a unique and exclusive manner. So what the, what Patreon is, is you get a lot of sidebar studies. Uh, when I am researching a project or going uh, towards a, uh, data for an article or, or something that's going to be added to UTH, you hear about it as a patron first. And the other key feature is you're going to get basically get the uh, the features of a rookie draft guide just by signing up as an all pro for even one month uh, here during draft season. So you get access uh, with, with an all pro membership for even a month. As I mentioned, you, you can get access to the VIP chat dozens of the best dynasty owners on the planet. Um, I'm in there. That's my first direct line of communication with folks asking questions. We always have someone in there doing a startup draft, examining dynasty trades. Uh, It's been hyperactive these past few days talking about free agency, dynasty trades, moves to make and profiles. And that's not going to stop. Uh, It's a really great uh, resource when we get into rookie drafting because we get to hear about everyone's different scenarios of trading up, trading back. What should I do with this spot? Who's falling? Who's rising? What's the earliest and latest you've seen players go? It's so valuable to have a a heartbeat of what's going on in in the dynasty marketplace, especially if you have a draft going on. So that is patreon.com slash UTH. Three uh, recent features over the past week. One, uh, a cool exercise that I've been doing this off season. I think it's going to continue as an annual tradition is my rookie NFL mock draft 2.0, which is post combine early free agent moves have already been done, uh, already came out, which is every NFL team. I go with their best fit with their draft position, team needs and putting together the puzzle pieces for one skill position player. It's not always in the first or second round. It could be on day three, but putting together those puzzle pieces and there's been some interesting takeaways for myself as well as listeners. Also went over the breakout year matrix for the 2023 wide receiver class. Breakout season has a lot of different definitions. I go over what mine is and what the importance is of uh, the, the different data uh, results for for hit rate, whether you have zero breakout seasons all the way up to four breakout seasons as a collegiate producing wide receiver. And then finally, I go over looking at small round one wide receivers. We got a few in the crosshairs for 2023 and go over what are the key markers you need to be a successful one and how the 2023 class is looking with those small round one potential wide receiver prospects. Two recent dynasty trades I have made. I wanted to go over the process and some of the tactics and strategy behind them. First one uh, is basically going over the ability and the persistence of getting a consolidation deal done. Katie Flower and I are in a deep Devi dynasty league that super flex two tight end uh, a lot of Devi drafted and owned on an annual basis and so we are a strong team you got a huge taxi squad however if you've got a lot of Devi you've got a lot of current uh, rookies in the NFL that means you're gonna have some roster churn and you're gonna need to create roster spots and so about once a year we're always looking to do some massive you know is it three for one five for one uh, six for two type deal and so I started throwing out deals where you're always looking for that insulation factor. How can I, how can I slash we make our roster so that we're insulated from a singular injury? Uh, can we get double roster, a double lineup theory 
going uh, where if, if you take out your general starters on a weekly basis, how does your roster look now? That's the true definition of a dominant team. So we were in the market for potentially, you can always look at a wide receiver. We're, per, we're really good at tight end, uh, always deep at running back with rookies and Debbie coming into our collective pipeline. But why, uh, quarterback was another uh, point we were looking at. And there seemed to be, again, I sent out, sent out a few offers and it wasn't just shut the door, answer no for Justin Herbert. So I was... I was, I just kept messing with the combination, the recipe of these offers where I could offer a current NFL starter as well as a few different players that would have interest there for Justin Herbert. And this was a team that, again, lacked a little depth. You know, they could be looking for answers at multiple positions. So you kept, I kept mixing and matching players. And again, the answers weren't get off my lawn, no. So I kept putting together combinations. Ultimately, got a deal done for Justin Herbert, which was Mac Jones. Marshawn Lloyd, who finally is healthy there. Uh, he was a uh, strong looking uh, freshman before he had an injury. So he could end up being a day two prospect. You never know. Uh, Trey Sanders, he was an Alabama recruit. Now he bounced to, I think it was FAU or FIU. I always forget. Uh, but anyway, but he's finally getting some playing time. He's a little on the older side though, and but has that Bama pedigree. Brian Robinson, NFL running back. Zamir White, NFL running back. Rondell Moore, Albert Akawebenum. It's two tight end with premium scoring and 111. So you can use that on a rookie, a Debbie. Uh, that could be, again, a five-star incoming freshman. It could also be someone of the rookie variety that slipped through the cracks. But all that for Justin Herbert. So that's a lot of stuff. But for us, none of those guys really are going to see our lineup almost ever. We would see about 111. It's not that we don't like Brian Robinson or Samir White. These are guys we took as Debbie. Rondell Moore, we took as Debbie as well. I wouldn't be surprised if we took Albert O as, as a Debbie. Uh, we took Mac Jones. I believe he was one of those that slipped through. What I always love about Debbie is you get notable you know, first-round uh, pedigree that that falls through even a hundred plus Devi being owned uh, going into that year and rookies make it through and Mac Jones was one of those for us so again uh, trading about is an eight for two we ended up getting a, a third rounder back as well so uh, again I, I think the listen to what the the responses to your trades are and then keep flip-flopping uh, some people don't you know we I didn't get a bunch of counter offers but I kept sending offers of different combinations of you know some of them Marshawn Lloyd wasn't in some of them uh zamir white wasn't in or was in or rondell moore you know was swapped in and out and you get that right combination at some point and a deal gets done another one uh, that was actually just executed today in my uh in my dynasty portfolio we've been working on it for a few days probably 10 to 20 offers um, but it was centered around you know, what is going to be the plus minus on Aaron Jones versus AJ Dillon? I have AJ Dillon. They have Aaron Jones. I'm a contending team. I got Christian McCaffrey. I've got some good pieces across my roster, certainly looking to contend for a title this year. And so it was the, well, what's the plus going to be? Originally it was going to be, you know, with, through, uh, some, some counter offers, it started out as, you know, I, I think it started out as Aaron Jones for AJ Dillon plus Well, I wasn't going to do that. I have Aaron Jones, like one or two spots higher in dynasty running back rankings at UTH. The one thing I'll say about Dylan, and it's not that I'm getting tired of him, but what I'm saying, but, but my problem is he's now 25. He really, he hasn't as a round two running back gotten the starter, anointment for a week one, Aaron Jones, they've had opportunities to move on from Aaron Jones. The Packers have not done that. So there must be something that either Aaron Jones is so good. We can't let him go or AJ Dillon. We just don't think that there's, you know, enough upside or enough uh, juice for us to go into a week one and say, he is our starter. He's our lone plan. 
it's probably a combination of those two things. Aaron Jones is really good. He's at age 28. I get all this. But here's the thing. Aaron Jones is going to be there this year. A.J. Dillon essentially is going to be injury away. He's not going to be, you know, a top 12 guy with Aaron Jones healthy. I don't, I just don't think there's going to be a changing of the guard like that. So he's an injury away option. And then A.J. Dillon is also, even if you say, oh, well, he's going to be a starter next year. Really? We're going to go through this again? And he's getting to the end of his rookie contract. Let's not forget. He's on an Alexander Madison type path. So A.J. Dillon is one that, you know, rolled snake eyes in terms of opportunity where you say, man, just over and over again, it's Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones. And where's all these AJ Dillon opportunities. So if he's going to be 26 before he actually gets a projected starting role, and that's still a question mark. I mean, that's a long wait. So I'm going to go with Aaron Jones here. And the bigger thing was the plus. So I wanted to get a second round pick or an upgrade in round one or something. And it flipped from Dylan plus for Jones. And I eventually got to a comfortable point and where I threw in McCole Hardman, which who I'm trying to get rid of anyway. I don't think there's a lot of value there. And he's an ancillary wide receiver for a 24 second could be mid round. Uh, so again, uh, a team potentially shooting for the playoffs, but you never know an injury or two and that turns early. So get that second, which could be an injury, a player away player. It could be an AJ Dillon type <laughs> next year in 24 and 24, but I get Aaron Jones much more comfortable for a lot for a lineup decision. And yes, if Jones gets hurt and Dillon starts 12 games this year, obviously this trade could look a lot different, but you play this out most ways. And I have two outs because even if Dylan outproduces Jones or there's a changing of the guard this year, I get the second round pick to make it whole, make it right, or even win the trade down the line. But there's a lot of iterations where we see more of the same. Uh, and Aaron Jones is the starter, the guy you want, the more comfortable lineup play. Plus I get the second in the future. And I don't think Bacol Hardman swings this trade at all, but it was something I needed to grease the wheels and get it done. All right. Want to mention uh, to close the show, I have one more top three, and this is centric to Mark March Madness. Uh, previously in the show, I, I talked about my top three basketball gripes. Here are top three March Madness features. So these are pros for this March Madness zone of time on the calendar. Number three, constant action. I mean, especially this first weekend uh, from noon to midnight, you basically get uh, you know, you, you had, they have that little, uh, monitor for the scores. You got four different channels. And if one game goes to halftime, that means two or three games are not at halftime. And so you can watch a game from the beginning. I typically watch games that are going to be close in the final four or eight minutes when you get those, uh, TV timeouts and I'll go to there. I'll watch the end of the game. If it ends up being, you know, a blowout or it's three, a three possession game with one minute to go, eh, I'll flip to the one that has f four minutes to play and I'll just keep cycling through. So don't watch any whole games really until you maybe get to the, the, the final four and anything like that. But I love number three, the constant action. Number two, underdog watch. I'm a big fan of the underdog uh, upset. I know it doesn't typically happen for more than a game or two with these Cinderella stories, but it's bound to happen. People don't predict it. Everyone's uh, almost allergic to picking, you know, 13s, 14s, 15s, making it multiple rounds. But it seems like every year we get one of those types of stories and you're just on the edge of your seat for that big moment, whether it's, uh, you know, just they're just dominating a, a, a higher seated opponent or they are, uh, you know, with a, a huge shot at the end of the game that will be something in our memory bank that we remember for the 2023 March Madness Tournament. And then number one, concentration of college basketball into essentially two weeks. I, I watch almost zero minutes. I, I tune in a little bit, you know, just monitoring some of these uh, these uh, conference tournaments. But November, December, January, sorry, it's football. 
it's football. Lord, football dominates. And then we switch to college basketball a little bit as we go. Uh, you know, February, just a little bit, but really the beginning of March, and especially the mid middle of March for a couple weeks, we tune in our calendar and it is right there on the sports billboard and getting all of our attention across four channels. And then ultimately down to, to three, two, and one channel, uh, as we go through the tournament and it just, it's a fire hose. Uh, and I love that by the time you get to deeper into the tournament, elite eight, final four, you pr- you've probably watched a game or two of some of these teams that have advanced. And now you feel like you're, you're kind of up to speed. You don't have to watch 30 games throughout the year. And, and frankly with, uh, the the one and done rule and how much turnover there is between these teams, you don't have the three or four years of continuity with these programs and rosters anyway. So honestly, studying uh, scrupulously these rosters, I don't know if there's a lot of utility in that year over year with these college basketball programs. So there it is, the top three March Madness features. That's going to do it this week for the Under the Helmet free show. Reminder that you get a handful of premium shows on a weekly basis signing up as a general manager plus subscriber at UTH Dynasty. Or you can sign up at patreon.com slash UTH. I mentioned the VIP chat. I mentioned the other key features you get every single week. Tim Torches over there. We got overtime with Tim if you want to learn uh, learn more about myself and Tim um, off the fantasy football uh, court, if you will. And uh, again, just a place for exclusive dynasty content that you're not going to be able to get anywhere else. And I will say two key features that uh, of UTH Dynasty that I'm most proud of is number one, consi- consistency. Uh, so often you see uh, dynasty writers, podcasters that, hey, where are they? Well, you can tell a story over the last four, five, six years where they've been at three different places, uh, that they were over at this site, then they switched over to another site, and then they did this, they dabbled in this project. It's like, where are they? I don't know, I have to keep track of them, you know, that they're always seeking greener pastures, and it's hard to keep up, and sometimes they were a small fish in a big pond, now they're a big fish in a small pond, and you know, all this. That basically UTH became and started as my outlet to press record or type uh, content whenever I wanted. I didn't want restrictor plates of, you have to record a podcast that's at least 36 minutes. You have to uh, you have to write an article that's at least 1,000 words. And if I wanna get a podcast up in, in 10 minutes, I can press record, a five minute show, I produce it in, in five minutes and it's up on the site. And you know I can distill that content down into the bite-sized information you need to know. Same thing with, with rankings. I don't need permission to add things. I don't have to worry about consensus ranks being up to date and getting all 10 people that do rankings on board so that we can do a massive update every single day. You're just not going to be able to find that at the big box sites. And frankly, it's something that I wanted to be able to have that creative, but basically publishing control. You don't have to uh, submit for approval for any content. You can just press record. You can just click submit and publish on an article on your rankings. Uh, so that, that is one of the biggest things. And number two, it would be the accountability. Uh, I am very transparent with what the expectations I have for myself are and how I will deliver content and what the, the critical moments are relative to free agency, the NFL draft cycle, rookie drafts, startup drafts. Oh, the one other feature that I, I don't know if I've mentioned recently, but if you sign up at, is, uh, with the trade calculator, they, I offer one month, three month, and 12 month options. If you're at least three month, 
you got a startup draft coming up? I create custom draft boards. So it doesn't even have to be one that's exactly like I have 20 plus uh, formats there in the trade calculator. But all you have to do is email me and say, hey, you know, I'm a trade calculator subscriber. I got a startup draft coming up next week. And here are some of the key features of the draft. And I'm going to send you a custom board. You're going to get a positional ADP. You're going to get custom UTH values. And it is a huge game changer for leveling up your startup draft team build and executing, having confidence, whether it's trading or drafting players, moving around the board and having your best initial team build result yet. So again, little things like when you email UTH, it comes directly to me. I don't have minions. I don't have someone in another country answering emails that they frankly can't answer. So uh, I get plenty of questions, uh, whether it's about subscriptions. Uh, hey, you should do this kind of uh, article or have you have you done a, a recording on this player recently? And I can point you in that direction. And plenty of times suggestions come in and I actually turn that over. And within 24 hours, you're getting that content on the site. It's almost like uh, it, it's custom to, to what you need and want, uh, or if you got a specific trade question. So all that are calling cards, accountability and accessibility for UTHDynasty.com. Thank you so much for listening on a weekly basis. I am Chad Parsons. You can find me on Twitter at Chad Parsons NFL. And until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. <laughs>